Good to have you with us today. Yes, we are starting a nine-week series today called Juicy Fruit. Can you say that with me? Juicy Fruit as we go through the fruits of the Spirit out of Galatians chapter 5. This is going to be a great journey as we go on this together. Um, turn to somebody next to you and say, is your fruit juicy? <laughs> well, that's loaded, isn't it? Okay. All right, so as we are going to Galatians chapter 5 today, 22 through 23, nine words Paul describes that outward, visible behavior of what's happening on the inside of us. And he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, juicy fruit. Say it again. Juicy fruit. Yes. Well, there's a, used to be a cardiologist in uh, California by the name of Meyer Friedman, and some of you may have heard of his work. Among other things, he's kind of famous because him with another guy brought up and uh, created this whole notion of the type A personality. You know, the, the driven, the anxious, the easy, easily irritated, the fast-paced lifestyle. And as he, uh, in his practice, learned many things, this emerged from the people that came from his practice. One of the ways it was confirmed is very interesting. There was an upholsterer who was working in Friedman's office. He said, have you ever noticed the pattern of wear on your chairs that there is something unusual about it? And Friedman said, well, no, I have not. And the upholsterer said, you know, you would expect on a chair that the fabric would be worn all the way around the surface of the chair, uh, but in your office, it's not. It, it gets worn out first on the very edge of the chair. In other words, there, there is something about the people who are coming to a heart specialist who have heart conditions where they're sitting on the edge of their seats with these thoughts running through their mind, like, I'm anxious, I'm afraid, I'm upset, I don't have time for this, and I don't even want to be here. They were actually wearing out the very edges of the seats in his office. That's one of the ways as they came up with that uh, notion of the type A personalities and confirmed that we really do live in a society that lives life on the edge of our seats. And we all kind of live on the edge of the seats and we, what happens is we miss out on life and uh, but understandably, God's word says there's another way to live besides that. Jesus says there's a better way for your heart condition, and I want to share that priority with you today as we begin this new series on the fruits of the Spirit. Back in the day, there used to be a guy by the name of Art Linkletter. You remember Art Linkletter, some of you that are older. He was famous because he used to have a TV show and had a book called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Some of you maybe recognize that. And he's a master at getting kids to, to kind of reveal what was in their heart. So we asked some of the kids right here at Abundant Life Church about love. And so watch this video as we find out what they say. Can you tell me what love is? What is love? God. Love is people waking up. People waking other people. Love is when you help someone and you can get a sandwich for someone who you can say you're sorry. 
And you're finished with today. Is there somebody that loves you? Who loves you? Who do you love? My mom, my dad. Who shows you love? My mom, my parents, my cousin, my dad, everyone who I love. When do you feel the most loved? When they get me candy and food, Chipotle and Starbucks. What is love? Well, love is Jesus, right? I do like the one about candy, food, and Starbucks. That's a great one as well, right? You, you, you see her love language, don't you? Everybody's got a love language. So the Bible shows us a whole lot better way to love, a whole lot better way to love. And Jesus said there's a priority of love. And we, we talk about love a lot in the church. Any church you've been a part of, they probably talked about love. How many of you know that you're a better version of you with love? Tell somebody next to you, you're a better version of you with love. Come on, tell somebody, you're a better version of you with love. Well, first, John does an incredible job describing the kind of love that God has given to us. And so he has revealed this through Jesus to the human race. And I just want to talk and break this down a little bit today and ask where our lives are in reference to this, and can I live that kind of love? So if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4, as we go there today, 1 John chapter 4, as we look in the first verse, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, there are things that we love because they're worthy of our love, right? True. And then there's another kind of love. There's a kind of love that seeks value in what is love. And there is a kind of love that seeks beauty, looks for wealth, it looks for intelligence and so much success. We live in that kind of world. But there's a kind of love that creates value in, in, in what is loved. There's a story of Beauty and the Beast that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. And we, we think we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we wait for it and then we don't know why and then we wake up and life is over. And I want to let you know that something that our eternal creator, God, as the ultimate designer, we're called to follow after him because he is the designer of this thing called love. Amen? And he has made us, and there's a clear mark on him as the designer that he wants us to have impressioned on our soul. And so I want you to know today that eternity now is in session. And some think, well, it really, eternity is about when I die, but we have to realize right now that eternity is in session right now at this very moment. And there is a designer. There is a designer, his name is God, and we need to know that fruit always reflects the character of the tree of which it's a part. That if it's an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. If it's an orange tree, it's going to produce oranges, right? So that fruit comes out of a life controlled by the Spirit that will reflect the character of Jesus Christ. In the Apostle of John, in the Gospel of John, he's experienced this. He actually has a nickname. He is called the Disciple 
whom Jesus loved. And we know that Jesus loved all of his disciples, but if we live with such a sense of identity that, that God loves us, if we live in such a way that we understand and really live that God loves us, then there is a peace that can flow out of us and a generosity that can flow out of us that we wouldn't otherwise have. Isn't that true? That we need to know that fruit is always visible, right? Watch out for the fruit tree in your yard that's giving you invisible fruit. Are you with me? Right? A very, very rare word that John and the disciples used that came from God was the word agape that you've heard many, many times. Can you say agape? It was a love that creates value. It means to will and to work for the good of another. The, the disciples, though, kind of hijacked this. And really, in the day and age we live, the word love has been hijacked, the pure love of God. It's been hijacked and put in many different ways and many different forms. And, and you understand this. Some of you know what it's like to love someone and you ache for them to be in love with you back. But even if they refuse, you can still will and work for their good. You can always love. You, you can always treasure what the world has said is trash, right? So we see that an object that has exceedingly great value, well, why? Because it's prized by someone that we love and we admire. What gives human beings great worth? Well, well it's hard to come up with an answer to that apart from God. If you locate human worth in some, some capacity like intellect, but when a person has really diminished, you know, a capacity of that, then, then our world says that they have a diminished worth. And of course, we live in a world that treats people like this all the time. You're not, you're, you're, you're not smart enough. You're not beautiful. You are disabled. Where's their worth? Where do you find the list price of a human being? I mean, we, we have this in the day and age we live. You can quickly take out your phones or whatever it may be, and you want to find out the list price of your car. You can go to Kelly Blue Book, or you can go to Zillow for house prices to see what they are out there. This is your worth, and I want you to understand that you are loved by God. There's a love that seeks value, and, and we see it, most crushingly with people. Your worth is not based on how pretty you are, how smart you are, how rich you are, how your children perform, or how your career advances. It is just this. You are the beloved of God. You are the child of the king, and you have been named as his heir, and you are the object of his intense affection and his love goes way deeper than that. His love encompasses to heal those parts of us that we think that are least lovable. The story of the gospel, it, this, this is not a sentimental story. The, the story of the gospel is you, you are worth more than you know. The bad news is, is your sin is worse than you had any idea. And so many people get it mixed up with the love of God that comes, that they get it all mixed up. That, well, I can, because of the love of God, I can just do anything I want. Well, no, you can't. But we need to realize that the love of God is so powerful, right? 
There, there was a mom in Darlington, Maryland, living in a rural setting. She came on the front porch, and she had six kids. They're, they're playing with something in the front yard, and they're intrigued. And she walked out the front door. She got closer to see what it was, and she saw to her horror they were playing with a family of baby skunks. And she was terrified, and she screamed, kids, run, run, kids. So every child picked up a skunk and ran as fast as they could. Wow. And how many of you know that sin is that way, and I am that way, and you are that way, that we pick up our stuff and our self-pity and our pride many times, and we take it with us wherever we go. But I want to let you know something about God's love, that God's love is full of grace and love and mercy, but it's more than that. God's love didn't skip over sin. God's love addressed sin. That's why God sent his son, that he addressed sin. He knew we had a problem, and we needed a savior. We needed a redeemer to be saved. So this is love, not that we loved God. Did you get that? This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. It is no surprise that we should love God. He's got everything we need. We should love him. He's got beauty. He's got power. He's got life. And even more than that, you know, that, that my kids used to, used to love the ice cream man when they used to drive up, you know, that kind of love. This is not the love that God is saying. God loved us. There's a kind of love. There's a kind of love that seeks a value, but there's a kind of love that God loved us, that he sent his son an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And if you want to know the worth of your life today, don't look at your resume. Don't look at your bank account. Don't look at a mirror. You go to the cross. The strangest thing is we look at the life of Jesus. What Not only does he give us an identity and worth, but he gives us purpose. And through that, he creates a new community. And that is why we are all here today. Jesus, John says, beloved, since God so loved us, and we would expect him to say that God loved us, and we ought to love God, of course we should, but that's not what he says. Beloved, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Jesus said, yes, love me, yes, and love others. So I want you to think about those for just a moment today that seem unlovable in your life whether it's in your circle of friends or whether it's in your workplace or your neighborhood, in your family, could be your parents today, could be siblings, maybe a spouse, kids. Maybe it's that person you're sitting next to right now. We have to realize that God's word says that fruit is always born for the benefit of somebody else because why? Well, you never see fruit chewing itself, right? And fruit doesn't eat itself. But fruit is on a tree to be picked, to be used for the benefit of someone else. Think especially about the world, the world that we live in that trashes people, people who lack what our culture defines as beauty, people who are lonely today, people that are old and forgotten, people who have no money, people who are difficult for you, people whom our world would call disabled or thought of them as weird because of their sexuality or their politics or their religion. And Jesus steps up, John 13, by this you, you shall know that 
you are my disciples because why? Others will know you because you love one another. So Jesus gives the priority and he gives it out there and he calls love the most excellent way. It doesn't get any better than that. That, that love is the more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, hey, it says even if you give your body to be burned and you give all your possessions to feed the poor, if you do not have love, you do not have anything. So the priority is the love of God. You realize that a woman is... When she is pregnant over time, it's going to show, right? Early on, you may not be able to tell right away, but there's changes internally that she's going through the taste and the smell and changes with regards to her habits. Internally, while pregnant, there will be changes, but changes that are happening inside will eventually come outside. And the reality of God is not merely felt just in your private, spiritual, and internal experience. It is there, but it can't stay there because fruit is made for somebody else. 1 Corinthians 13, now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. So, so he's saying you, you can have a lot of faith, and, you, and it's wonderful, but you can have a lot of hope, but if you don't have a lot of love, he's saying you have to show your love to one another. And evidently, this is such a high value that God has that, that it's something that we should take seriously. The more excellent way, the more excellent way to what? To live your life every single day and every single moment. There is the more excellent way, and that is to love. And he addresses in this, because I can't even get to all this, but he addresses inside of this, hey, you can live your life by rules, and you can live your life by demands, and you can live your life by legalism. He said, you can do that. And he addresses that in this portion of scripture. And I hope you go back and read. You can, you can live your life like that. But he said, listen, that is not what life is all about, because the priority has to be on love. Because it is the more excellent way. And boy, do we live in a world that's full of demands and lists. And if you don't do this, I don't love you. That is not the biblical love of God. What we need to go after is God's love. Biblical love, agape love, is the decision to passionately and righteously to seek the pleasure and the well-being of someone else. So he's saying the love of God, this is, this is something that is other-oriented. It's not just me, it's other. It's other-oriented. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's a psychologist and a Christian counselor, has written uh, so much in, about the mind and the heart. I encourage you, you can look her up. She's got a lot of great material online. And she, a few weeks ago, she wrote an article on re-examining how we view mental health. And we know that every time suicides come through, we talk about it more, but to keep it a part of the conversation and ongoing. And, and he, she says in there, so what do we do as a society? She says, well, we cannot survive without love. Love is, according to research, the top addiction, and scientists show that we are wired for love. Love is the hardest addiction to quit. It causes more murders and suicides than any other addiction. More die from the lack of love than any other disease. But she said love thrives in community. 
Humanity is wired to work and thrive in community. Love cannot be shared, of course, she says, without someone to love. In science and especially quantum physics, entanglement is one of the most important laws. It is often referred to as the law of relationships. We are entangled human beings living in an entangled universe, and we need each other. And when we help each other, we heal ourselves. That's powerful. I know there's many reasons why people take their life. This isn't, I'm not trying to make this a formula. It's just this. I understand it. But what he, she is going to show is the precedent and the priority of love. And if love is not present, people will fill in the void. What will I choose to do for the benefit of another? What will I do to drive me beyond my self-interest? Because really, our self-interest drives us many times in our decisions naturally. Like you remember the story of the girl who had broken up with her boyfriend and they had been separated for a while. She decided to write him a letter. Dear Tim, you're constantly on my mind. It's become evident to me that I made a mistake in breaking up with you that I deeply apologize uh, for my part. In, in causing this relationship to go sour and, and to go south. Tim, I'm sorry, and I want you to know that I'm wide open to reestablishing our relationship. P.S. Oh, by the way, congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> I mean, you know, lotteries will change your mind about love, right? Because self-interest drives our decision to love. And Paul says in Galatians 5 that nothing matters more than a faith that produces love. He said that golden law, that golden rule that you love your neighbor as yourself, at the heart of love is relating to someone else as you want them to relate to you. How many of you know that you and I do not need to learn how to sin? How many of you are with me? Come on, come on. Are you with me today? How many of you know that you and I don't need to learn how to sin? We've got that one down. Really, we don't need to learn how to have pride. We don't need to learn how to have lust. But he's saying in this, you need to learn this. It becomes evident that we see that we need to learn how to love one another. In all of our relationships, we need to learn how to love. And that is why God has set up the body of Christ as a gymnasium to do that. Little, little did you know that this is a gymnasium. Did you know that? That you and I get to practice love with one another, genuine, sincere love on a daily, weekly, and an ongoing basis. You get to do that every day in your home, but then you come, that's your biological family. Then you come to the spiritual family where we have the gymnasium to work on the precedent and the priority of the love of God. That it's easy to love people in the good times. It's not so easy when you're going through difficult moments in relationships, spiritually, right, to really have the love of God in the long haul. But that's what he has called us to live like. That is the gymnasium that you realize the gymnasium is not easy. It's hard work, right? So you have to understand that your fruitfulness is tied to your discomfort zone. That it's tied to being an uncomfortable in things and keep going through and not write each other off, but to love each other with a Christ-like love through it all. Amen? 
so that our fruitfulness is tied to our discomfort zone. And you know, the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is the way that you do this with one another is very practical here, that God has called us to live in relationship. That's why we've encouraged people, hey, don't just come one time a week and think, hey, that's what it's all about. But what are you doing with the body of Christ throughout the week with one another? Like our, 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 our life groups that we have. It's a way of connecting in through every age group in the church that you can connect in and be part of the spiritual family here that we would love one another that we would encourage one another, that, that in our children, and our students, in, a, in, in our young adults, in our adults, in our men, and in our women, that there are interest groups, we have our life groups, that we are called to do life together and called to love each other. I mean, I've said it before, let's just try to get this thing down on earth because we're gonna live together in eternity anyways. Amen? I mean, we might as well just try to do the best we can and get it right here on this earth because we're going to spend forever together. Amen? So the fruitfulness, God wants us to be fruitful, but it's tied to our discomfort zone. So we've got to learn to do this. We've got to learn that this is a gymnasium for love to happen. So it's very true, and that God's encouragement to us through his son, Jesus Christ, the agape type love. Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20. I can't, I'm not going to read it all, but Jesus is arguing against leaders of his day, and he says, you shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by what they produce, and describes fruit as two things, what a person says and what a person produces, because a root produces fruit. That what you are connected into will produce what you're getting in your life. So if you don't like what you're getting, you need to transplant yourself into a new soil, into a root system that will cause you to produce fruit in Jesus' name. You know, God didn't go out on a loudspeaker and say to tell planet Earth, I love you. He just didn't do that from heaven, right? He came and dwelt among us as the greatest servant of all through his son, Jesus Christ. Through love, serve one another. The Bible tells us, hey, when love has been matured and perfected, what happens? It casts out fear. In, in other words, God says it's basic physics. Two things cannot operate in the same space at the same time. He says when love gets pregnant and takes over, it pushes other things out of the way. Perfect love gets rid of fear because both of those things can't stay together. If you're dominated by fear, it's because you're not dominated by love. That, that's, you can't have it any other way. But if you're dominated by love, then you're not dominated by fear. What love will do is it will remove the fear. When you, when you become overwhelmed with God's love, you express love to others, you're creating a channel and you're moving the fear away from you that you're allowing the love of God to pour into you and so you're gonna push that out. Whenever God's expectations are weighing you down, it's because love is missing. Love is missing. How many of you know this? Love removes burdens. 
How many of you know that? Love removes burden. What are you burdened by today? What is burdening you? God's love will help you remove the burden of your heart. I mean, you know the song, what the world needs now is love. What the world's always need is love. The word, the world needs the love of God. And here is one of those lasting benefits in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 of deciding to love. He said, in this way, love is made complete among us, made complete, love is made complete among us, that you will have confidence on the day of judgment. Every single person here, every single person that's passed on, every single person that was born, we will all stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. That's what he's saying. He's saying on the day of judgment, he said, in this way, love is made complete among us, that you will have confidence. You will have confidence on the day of judgment. How many of you want to have confidence in the day of judgment? Amen. Because in this world, we are like him. That's what scripture says. Love will help you on the day of judgment. Love will help you and I on the day of judgment. When we stand before the Lord, God will say, hey, you loved like I wanted you to love. Amen. That when you go through your highlight reel, you can have confidence on that day that you stand before the Lord face to face that we have received his love and that we have received a love that we did not even deserve, but we got it. And we are able to give that love to others that are around us. When he loved us, when we were unlovely, when we were the most, we felt unlovable, God loved us. May we be so loving that when we stand before him, he'll say, guilty is charged. You love with a God-like love and a Christ-like love. May we be a community of love. Love never fails because it's the most powerful force in the entire universe. How many of you know that it takes more energy to hate someone than to love them? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? People are like, yeah, well, it seems easier to hate. No, that's taking you more energy, worrying you and holding you down and frustrating you and holding you in anguish. Whatever situation you are in today, will you love someone? Will you love those that are around you? Because God has called you and I to love one another. And the church is the gymnasium. The church is the gymnasium for that. This is where it happens. This is where it's supposed to take place in a loving community where we hold each other accountable in the gymnasium. But listen, your fruitfulness is tied to your discomfort zone. So the longer you keep working in that, God will grow fruit in your life and mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for the promise of your word. God, that tells us that we can have the fruits of the spirit, Lord and not have to be controlled by the wants and the desires of our flesh, but God, that your spirit would take over and increase, Lord, these fruits to overflowing, God, that you give us a love that creates value. Even to the person that is here today that feels unlovable or unlovely, that God, they would be overwhelmed with your love and that your perfect love would drive out fear 
would drive out every lie of the enemy. I pray this in Jesus' name. And that, God, your love, Lord, as it increases, there would be an increase of peace in our hearts. I pray pray peace in marriages in this room. I pray peace on the body of Christ. And I pray that a generosity would overflow because, God, your love has wrapped us up. That we realize that our worth is not in our resume, in our bank account, in the titles before and after our name, but our worth is because you loved us first. So, Father, cause that love to overflow in us that we would share it with one another and we would serve others that are around us and we would live a life of love in a world that is full of hatred. Father, cause us to share that love, to overflow with your presence and be pregnant with who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to encourage you today that you would love in a godly way. You would love others that are in need of love. And sometimes you just don't need to go looking for it. Sometimes it's the person that's right next to us. And we would go love a world that is desperately in need for the love of God. Amen.